Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Good morning, Cape Cod Church. (laughs) It is always a privilege to be with you on Sundays, and recently it's also been a very sweet comfort for me. So thank you for that opportunity and for being such a wonderful prayerful community and just loving our family so well. Uh, Last week, we had the privilege of having a guest speaker with us, a friend, uh, Pastor Doug Scalisi from Brewster Baptist Church, who brought us a message on the topic of wisdom. And he reminded us that uh, rather than going through life and living and learning from bad experiences, there's actually a better way, which is avoiding regrets by learning first and living. And he encouraged us to pursue wisdom in every area of our lives to avoid those regrets and to live better. And so this week, I want to take his advice and talk a little bit about one practical area where we can apply wisdom in our lives. And specifically, I want to talk about the topic of decision-making. Now, about a year ago, our small group, my small group of young adults here at Cape Cod Church did a study called uh, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. It's a book by Andy Stanley that was personally very impactful for me, and I think many people really enjoyed it. And it's part of what inspired this message, and I highly recommend the book to you because this is such an important topic. Because whether or not you're at a place in life where you're facing a big life decision, each of us, every day, make hundreds of decisions. In fact, you have already made a dozen or so decisions that got you into the seat where you're sitting this morning or watching online. Each of us makes hundreds of decisions every single day, whether we realize it or not, and those decisions shape the trajectory of our lives. So that means that making really good decisions is valuable for us because it actually shapes our personal story. It's what causes the trajectory of our lives and helps us to live well. But there's one problem with decision-making, and it's not that we can't identify a good decision or a bad bad decision. In fact, we're typically really good at identifying a bad decision in retrospect. You know what I mean? When you look back on something and you're like, I can't believe that I did that. In fact, sometimes our decisions are painfully obvious. Our bad decisions sometimes just jump out at us when we look back on them. Or when we think out to the future, when we plan them in advance, sometimes it seems very clear what the good decision is. But the problem is that something happens in the heat of the moment. When you're in the heat of the moment, it's like some kind of brain fog settles in to the point where you can no longer see clearly and the decisions that seem so obvious to you in advance or so obvious to you looking back no longer seem clear. So we look back and we're like, why on earth did I say that? What was I thinking when I bought that? It's obvious to me that that was a bad life decision, but in the moment, it wasn't very obvious. In fact, it wasn't clear at all. If you're in the room and you're a millennial like me, you'll be very familiar with this experience because for those of us who grew up uh, in that millennial age, we actually were about 12 years old when Facebook became very popular. 
which means that we decided to post publicly all of our 12-year-old thoughts before our brains were fully developed. So you'll be very familiar with that sinking feeling of like, oh my gosh, why did I say that? The problem is, it's easy to know what a good or bad decision is in retrospect, but it's a lot harder in the moment. So what on earth are we supposed to do if we can identify, but we can't make good decisions? It turns out that this has been a challenge for people for a very long time. In fact, uh, the ancient Israelites shared some of their insights from their experiences and wrote down their wisdom on how to make better decisions that lead to fewer regrets. So this morning, I want to start with a warning from the prophet Jeremiah. Speaking on behalf of God, he says this, The heart is deceitful above all things, and beyond cure, who can understand it? I love that. Who can understand it? Why on earth did I do that? It's an experience as old as time. But notice what he says before that about what causes that feeling, that like mystery in ourselves. He says the heart is deceitful above all things. And what's interesting about the word deceitful, we often think about it as somebody who's a liar. Uh, the heart is a liar, and that is true, but deceit is actually a very particular kind of lie. Somebody who's deceitful is someone who twists the truth, actually uses something that's true to mislead somebody. So they'll tell a partial truth. Or they'll twist, they'll tell something that's mostly true, but take a little bit and change it. Or they won't give you the whole picture, but just a little sliver of it. They'll twist the truth to mislead someone. And the prophet Jeremiah, speaking on behalf of God, tells us that that's actually true of ourselves, that we actually deceive ourselves by twisting the truth and misleading us to get what we want, to get what your heart is set on or what your mind is hungry for. And the problem is when we do that, it clouds our vision. This thing that we experience, this brain fog that happens in the moment, Jeremiah tells us that it's caused by a heart and a mind that sometimes deceives itself. And it leads us to that experience of being like, what on earth was I thinking? Who can understand it? Why did I do that? So what do we do? What do we do if in the moment we're prone to twisting the truth to get what we want to ourselves, to mislead ourselves? How do you cure something like that? I think part of the answer is we need something that cuts through the fog in the heat of the moment. And asking ourselves good questions can help cut through that fog. Uh, my brother, Cody, graduated from high school yesterday, which is very exciting for our family and a huge milestone for him. Uh, but it's also the end of an era, and one of my favorite pastimes with my brother during his high school years is that before he got his driver's license, each week we would drive home together after the Loft Youth Group. And most weeks we would also go to McDonald's, sometimes with his friends, sometimes just us, because young men are hungry and McDonald's is open wicked late. And it's one of my favorite memories, actually, one of our favorite routines, um, not because of the meal, but just because of the quality time. In fact, um, I 
because I am by Cody's standards an old woman now, can no longer <laughs> digest McDonald's like I could when I was 18, like Cody. And so each week we would leave from the loft and I would resolve in my mind that I was not going to order anything from McDonald's and I was not going to eat there. I was going to wait till I got home and I was going to eat something that was a safer, healthier choice. And I would resolve that every single week, but the problem is when you get into that car, there is one thing, one temptation that I almost cannot withstand. McDonald's french fries. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. When they're hot, fresh out of the fryer, heavily salted, perfect consistency. Somebody just pulled them out. And particularly, I don't know if you're like this, um, but particularly like the soft french fries. Yeah, some of you are nodding. Yeah, you're with me. Soft french fries over the crunchy ones. And each week we would get into the car. And I wouldn't give in immediately. But I would start asking myself questions. You know what I mean? Like, how long will it really take me to recover from this? <laughs> and those, those look pretty good. Am I hungry? The answer was almost always yes. I was hungry to the point of hangry. And by the time I start asking those questions, you eventually just get to, will I enjoy this? The answer is yes, and I will no longer be hungry. And I was a goner. Every single time I gave in, and we were eating french fries together. So what happened? I knew what the right decision was. I knew what a good decision would be. And even in the moment, I kind of knew, but things started to get cloudy. I was misleading myself, and my questions were not helping. My questions were not helping. And the thing is, each of us, when we make decisions, we intuitively ask ourselves questions. When you're in that moment and things aren't really so clear anymore, you start asking yourselves questions. But the problem is that our questions can either reinforce our self-deception or they can help cut through the fog. And good questions will help cut through the fog instead of reinforcing me misleading myself. And I wasn't asking the right questions. But good questions can lead to better decisions and fewer regrets. And if you aren't considering what questions to ask yourself, it probably means we're not asking the most helpful ones. Instead, we ask ourselves questions like this. Will this make me happy? Will I enjoy this? Will this hurt me? Will this hurt anyone else? And the most dangerous of all, will anyone find out? <laughs> By the time you're asking yourself those questions, you're probably already a goner. But good questions can help us see clearly when our mind gets twisted. Good questions lead to better decisions and fewer regrets. So I want to spend the rest of our time looking at three brief questions that can help us see clearly. Three ways that we mislead ourselves, and then three questions that help us see clearly, which Andy Stanley kind of synthesized some of these questions in his book, and I found them so useful. Uh, I hope that they're useful for you today. And they're rooted in biblical wisdom in the Proverbs, which we learned about last week. And the first question is this. Am I being honest with myself? 
Proverbs 14.5 says this, An honest witness does not deceive, but a false witness pours out lies. Now, there are some Proverbs that are really immediately insightful, and then there are other Proverbs, if you're familiar with them, that you read them and you're kind of like, well, that seems pretty obvious. I'm just going to skip right over that one. Thanks for recording that for all history. Like, this one's pretty clear. All right, liars lie, and they're unreliable. Got it. I don't really want any liars in my life. going to cut everybody out. But the problem is that you and I often lie to ourselves. And you can't really cut yourself out of your own decision-making. How do I know this? I know that we all lie to ourselves because you and I talked ourselves into every bad decision that we ever made. You were there for every single one. And it's really easy for us to lie to ourselves, to twist the truth, to twist things in ways that serve our needs and what we actually want, to get what we want. And we sell ourselves on half-truths and bad ideas all the time. And you know what this sounds like. Well, these french fries won't make me really feel that bad. That's not true. But I told myself that in the moment. Or, well, Cody bought extra, so actually I have to eat them. That's also not true, but you tell yourself that in the moment. And on top of that, not only do we lie to ourselves to get what we want, we also lie to ourselves to make ourselves feel better. Because sometimes the truth is ugly. Sometimes the truth about ourselves is uncomfortable. And it's much easier to lie to ourselves and put the blame on somebody else than to face the truth, so we lie to ourselves. We say things like, well, Cody was pressuring me to eat those french fries, so really, it's his fault. No, it's really not. Well, it's easy for us to say and recognize liars in our lives and say, I I see how deceptive that is. I see how they're misleading me. That's not something I want in my life. It's really hard to recognize when we're misleading ourselves because the heart wants what it wants. In psychology, they call this uh, creating a plastic truth. It's when we rehearse narratives of lies or half-truths of the things that we want to be true. And what we actually end up doing is creating our own reality. Rather than recognizing what's true and living in that reality, we tell ourselves things that are partially true or not entirely true, and then we create our own reality that's more comfortable for us to live in. So when we lie to ourselves, we're actually losing our vision of reality. That experience of brain fog, of like, what on earth was I thinking? Well, you were lying to yourself. You weren't seeing reality clearly because you were allowing yourself to mislead yourself. But good questions and this honesty question, am I being honest with myself, helps cut through that misleading moment to see what's really true. So ask yourself, am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest about what's true, even when it's uncomfortable, and even when it reflects poorly on myself? And a helpful way to do this, this has just completely shaken up my life. A helpful way to do this is to ask yourself a second time, and then tack on really at the end. It sounds like this. Why am I doing this really? 
Why am I postponing this really? Why did I say yes or no really? Or why did I choose to buy that or invest in that really? When we ask ourselves these questions, it helps us build the habit of being brutally honest with ourselves, even when the truth is uncomfortable. And when we do that, we see reality more clearly, and it helps us make better decisions about what's true. And that leads me to our second question. What story do I want to tell? What story do I want to tell? You ever meet someone who is just um, so wrapped up in the moment or in their latest obsession that it made them crazy? I think we've probably all been there if we're being honest with ourselves, really, but we've also all seen it in other people, uh, particularly when it comes to romantic relationships and in that honeymoon phase in the very beginning when you've got a couple who are just so in love with one another that they start doing things that they would never otherwise do. Like people who, in general, had great social graces and general awareness, when they're in that honeymoon phase, they're all over each other. <laughs> they're saying things. They're using nicknames that no one ever wanted to hear in public. They're encouraging their significant other to tell you stories that are wildly boring and uninteresting because they think they're fascinating. Something about being in that moment just makes us crazy. And actually, this is, uh, there's a word for this in psychology. It's called folklism, and we're all prone to it. It's this experience of when you're in a moment or in the presence of a person. It's a cognitive bias where you get wrapped up into a moment, so focused on what's in front of you that everything else blurs into the background. You become unaware of the larger picture. You stop thinking about the future because you're sucked into the present moment. And the problem with this is that it naturally limits our perspective. We can't see the larger picture, and because of that, we make poor decisions because we get sucked in. Proverbs 4.25 speaks to this. It recommends that we let our eyes look straight ahead. It says, fix your gaze directly before you. Now, interestingly, this verse comes in the context of a whole chapter that's about making right decisions. And it uses the metaphor of paths. So staying on the right path, not turning to the left or the right. Some of you may have heard that before. But it's interesting that in that context, when it's talking about choosing the right path, it actually says, not look down at your feet, but look your eyes straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. What is that all about? Well, if you have a driver's license, you're familiar with driving, or you've ever been to driver's ed, you know exactly what this is about. A safe driver is somebody who looks at their sight line, who looks out ahead. And the reason for that is because when you look out ahead, you can see what's coming. But if you just look at your feet or you just look at the road before you, you will miss everything that's coming at you out in the future. You will miss the larger picture. And because of that, you will make poor decisions about how to drive your car or which path to take. So Proverbs recommends, look straight ahead. Look at the future. And the story question, what story do you want to tell? helps pull us out of the immediate moment and focus on the larger picture, which we are so prone to missing 
in the moment. It reminds us of the greater story that's going on. It reminds us where we want to go. On our best days, when you knew exactly what the best decision would be, it reminds you of where you want to go, and it helps you make decisions now based on the future. What story do you want to tell? It's a really valuable question because at some point, you will be out of this present moment and dealing with the consequences of your decisions. And we all want to write a beautiful personal story. So asking yourself, what story do you want to tell? When this is all over, when this fight with that family member is over, what story do you want to tell? When this political season is over, what story do you want to tell about how you behaved and treated others? When this relationship is over, or someday when this relationship continues, what story do you want to tell your kids about how you acted then? Someday, when you're on your deathbed, and your kids and hopefully grandkids are all around you, what story do you want to tell them about how you lived your life? Hopefully, you will be able to tell a beautiful story in which you do not have to skip whole chapters of your life. And by asking ourselves this question, what story do I want to tell? It helps us make those better decisions and build a beautiful life and a story worth telling. And that brings us to our last question for today. So after you've squared yourself up, <laughs> you've been really honest with yourself, and after you've thought about the future, you've gotten a sense of the larger picture, ask yourself this. Is there a tension that deserves my attention? Is there something in me about this situation or about this decision that is just a little bit uncomfortable? Or is there something that doesn't feel quite right? In psychology, they call these red flag moments, but all of us are familiar with those moments where you probably had a little bit of a sense of, mm, it's not quite right. I don't feel quite right about this. And in retrospect, it's easy to see, but it's also really easy to ignore those moments. Because they're often subtle. Sometimes the tension is small, and it's easy to just ignore it and breeze past it. It's easy to just kind of put it aside as like, ah, eh, I was probably just had something bad for lunch. And the more that we ignore them, the easier they are to ignore and the less that we feel that tension, particularly when we're not paying attention to it. But that tension, if we're being honest with ourselves, we know it's there for a reason. If you don't believe in God, if you're here this morning and you're exploring faith but you don't yet believe in God, even you probably believe in an innate human sense of right and wrong. There are just some things in life that should bother us. Murder and mistreatment, prejudice and injustice, these things should cause attention in us. And so we recognize that those moments are really important. And if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you believe in God, then we know that that feeling is put in you because God is goodness himself. He has given you a conscience, a sense of right and wrong. And when we feel that tension, we know it's worth paying attention to. 
And we also know that the consequences of not paying attention to that tension can be disastrous. There have been whole moments of history where whole groups of people ignored that tension and the consequences were tragic. So we know that it's valuable, but sometimes we breeze past it. But this question, is there a tension that deserves my attention, helps us to pause and keep from running past it. It helps us to pause and to ask so that we don't have to look back on our lives someday and ask, uh, how could I have done something like that? Because you're paying attention to the tension. Listen to what Proverbs has to say about your internal conscience. It says, the human spirit is the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being. This morning, we talked a lot about how we can deceive ourselves, how our heart and our mind easily mislead us, and how, in many ways, we cannot be fully trusted with our own decisions. But it's not all bad, because God has given you a conscience. He has given us the ability to search our own souls, to see clearly and to recognize what's right and what's wrong. And asking ourselves this question, is there a tension that deserves my attention, helps us to pause and to do that work and take advantage of that gift so that we can make better decisions that we never have to regret. Is there a tension that deserves my attention? And if there is, don't ignore it. Let it bother you, because it may just be the thing that God has placed in your life to help redirect your path, to avoid a regret, or to lead you to something more beautiful. So if there's a tension in your heart, don't ignore it. Let it bother you. So to recap this morning, good decisions are hard to make in the moment. Sometimes we don't even understand why we make the decisions we do because our hearts and our minds mislead us. But asking ourselves good questions can help us see more clearly. They help us see reality more clearly. They help us see the larger picture more clearly. And they help us see what's right. They cut through the fog so that in the heat of the moment, we can make better decisions that lead to fewer regrets. So when you're making that decision, and you will, in half an hour, you'll have made probably a dozen more decisions, whether they're big or small, ask yourselves these questions. Am I being honest with myself, really? What story do I want to tell when this is all over? And is there a tension that deserves my attention? And before we close, I just want to add one more thing. If you're here this morning and um, you're just exploring faith and Jesus, we love that and we're so glad that you're here. One thing that you may have noticed is that these questions can be applied in your own life. They're not like magic. Wisdom is not magic. It's not questions that only work for people who believe in Jesus and everybody else they're completely useless for. In fact, we believe that they just work because this is the way that God has designed the world. 
Wisdom is helping us discern how God has designed the world according to good and what's right, and then living our lives, building according to the grain of that, according to the grain of the universe. So when we apply God's wisdom, it helps us build a beautiful life. But if you're not sure whether or not you believe in God, these things will still work for you. This morning, though, I want to just invite you and challenge you. If you're on a journey of exploring whether or not there might be something more beyond this life, we invite you to use these principles, and we hope that it helps you build a beautiful life. But we also hope that at some point you might pause and consider, if this is true, if this really works, is it possible that there's something else beyond all this? Is it possible that there really is a God who has designed the universe in this way and who wants me to lead a flourishing life? We hope that you will explore that, and we count it a privilege to be part of the journey, to help you make better decisions no matter where you're at in your faith journey. So before we close this morning, will you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning and um, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you that you offer us guidance in this life, that you want us to lead beautiful and full lives. And Father, we recognize that sometimes we don't always navigate that perfectly. There have been moments where we have lied to ourselves. There have been moments when we lied to others, Father, where we cast the blame on others, and really it belonged on us. There have been moments where we lost our common sense because we weren't paying attention to the future, or we wrote a story that we regretted, or we ignored the tension that you put in our own soul. Father, we just thank you for your grace, that even in the bad decisions, that you can use them for the good. And this morning, we just ask that you would help us see clearly, that you would help us see what's true, what's right, that you would help us write a beautiful story, Father, and that all of this would glorify you, that your wisdom might be glorified in our lives, Father, that we might use our lives to benefit and serve one another. We thank you that you are a God who sees us and cares for us, who made a way for us to live well, Father, but more than that, who offered us a full life through your son, Jesus, and made the ultimate way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.